Well, good morning, Northside. So glad you guys are here with us today. Uh, my name is Jacob. I'm on the teaching team. And I'm going to try something. I'm going to try to actually bring something back from a few weeks ago. So I'm going to say something. And if you remember correctly, um, you're going to say it back to me. And it's okay if you don't remember correctly, because we're going to try it again after that anyway. So here we go. Ready? You ready? Grace and peace, Northside. Ah, oh, right here gets it. Yeah, I see you all. Very cool. All right, let's try it. One more time. Everybody ready? Grace and peace, Northside. Yeah. Oh, Northside. Yeah. Look at that. Love that. That, that community spirit. Love that. Um, we're, we're not a cult. And so just a reminder, always when we do stuff like that, we, we just say that because we are in this series called Galatians. And it is how Paul, the author of Galatians, he starts the letter. He, he says, grace and peace. But here's, here's the deal. We've been attaching these three words with Galatians. Um, you're you're going to see them on the book. They're, they're on our screens. It's, it's bigger, bolder, and better. And when we say that, I'm not here to tell you like, man, Galatians, y'all, is the biggest, it is just the boldest, it is the best book of the Bible. That is not what we're saying. We're talking about the contents. And really what Paul does all throughout the book of Galatians is he talks about the gospel. And he says the gospel is bigger and it's bolder and it is better. But what's interesting about that is that this is, um, in grammar terms, an imperfect comparison. So we could call the gospel big and we could call it bold and we could call it good. But when we are talking bigger, bolder, better, we have to ask the question, what is it compared to? An imperfect comparison has a comparison to nothing. See, we know things are bigger or bolder or better based on what they are compared to. Let me give you an example. Um, recently, my, my one-year-old daughter, she started to collect rocks. And when I say that, I mean, we put them in a cup and then we dump them out. And if, to be completely honest, she tries to eat them halfway through too. So that does not rock, um, no pun intended. So I'm watching her and we'll go and pick up a rock and she'll go. And, and what she always does is I hold the cup, she grabs it and she like hands it to me. And the other day, it was Valentine's Day. We were collecting rocks for her mom for her Valentine's gift. A cheap, cheap present, but that's okay. Um, and so she picks up one rock and she hands it to me. And I, I, I grabbed the rock and I was like, okay. It was a little piece of gravel. Nothing too crazy about that. I mean, just, just a jagged edge, like a small little rock. And then she goes and picks up another rock. And this is going to sound weird, but you are totally going to get what I'm saying. She picked up the second rock and she gave it to me. And I was like, that's a nice rock. Right? Like, this is a good rock in my hand right now. And what I mean is, is the first one, it was small. It looked like it was it broken off another piece of rock. I didn't, this is going to sound weird, but I didn't like the color. The second rock, though, was, was big. And it was smooth and it was just better. And I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere about how it was a boulder compared to the other one, but I can't get there right now. And so it was just a better rock in general. And I know that this was a better rock because of what it was compared to. Um, you've seen this in your life over and over and over again. Have you, have you ever tried to split the last brownie with someone and you cut it down the middle and it becomes painfully obvious very quickly which piece is bigger, am I right? <laughs> Um, I grew up in a house with two brothers and we unashamedly would get out the tape measure to make sure that we were getting our fair share whenever we were cutting the brownies. It just is what it is. Um, you've seen this before when you get an email and you're reading the email and it's, it's word by word, and it's, regular, it's regular type, regular font, regular font, and then you get to that bold font. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, like this person means this. And it says like, remember, or it says don't forget, or it has like a date or a time. When you get to the bold font, you don't think like, I should probably forget this. Like this is worth forgetting right now. You don't do that because you can tell that it is bolder, it is, it is different by what it's compared to, the regular font. 
And so we know when something is bigger or bolder or better by how it compares to other things. And we are saying that the gospel is bigger and bolder and better. We, we, we've talked about the gospel for, for, this is the fourth week now, how important it is. My wife last night, she was listening and she goes, I really like this Galatians today. I just like, I feel like we talk about the same thing every weekend. And I'm like, we do. Like it's, it is that important. Galatians 1, 4, Aaron talks about this. He said, Jesus gave his life for our sins. That is good. I listen to that. And I'm like, yes, that, that is a, a good thing. That's a bold thing, really, that he would give his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. That, that seems pretty bold to me. Galatians 2.16, Mike Bro talked about this. He said, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And I don't know about you, but that, that sounds better to me. There's 613 commandments and laws in the, in the law of Moses, the Torah. It's a lot of rules to follow. And this is saying, no, you've been justified through faith in Jesus Christ. That sounds better. Last week, Matt Allman, he, he talked about Galatians 3. He talked about in, in, imputed righteousness, not amputation, not lopping something else, but you're getting something added to you. And it says in Galatians 3, 6, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We have imputed righteousness. We have been given righteousness. And that sounds bigger to me. That sounds like a bigger way of thinking than just, just how I was thinking. And we believe that the gospel is big and bold and good. But if it's going to be bigger and bolder and better, we have to ask the question, compared to what and how? And maybe you're thinking like, no, like the gospel is bigger. It's bolder, it's better. Of course, it's the gospel. Like there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. Compared to what? I remember I was in, a freshman in high school. I'm pretty sure I was 15. I was sitting in a small group and our leader at the time, he asked this question. He said like, guys, which, which life is better? You know, which life has more freedom? The life following Jesus or the life of the world. And even how we said it, like he was like, you know what's the right answer. And so me and my friends, we've been in the small group for some time and we, we knew what the answer he was looking for. And so we all went around the circle and we're like, the life of Jesus, right? Like, yeah, Jesus is the best. And I remember on the way home thinking, do I, do I believe that? Do I really think the life of Jesus has more freedom, is better? Maybe that's your thought as we go through Galatians, you hear this and you're like, yeah, like the life of Jesus compared to the life of the world, I don't know. I see what my friends are doing. I see what the world has to offer me. I see this, I see this. And I'm just kind of like, I'm, one of these seems pretty awesome. One of these seems good, but is the life of Jesus, is the gospel really better than everything else? Can I be honest? Sometimes I feel like we all still struggle with that. And if the gospel is bigger and bolder and better, we have to ask then what and how. And here's the good news. Um, Paul does this for us. Galatians 4 is all about 
what the gospel is bigger, bolder, and better than. So I'm going to invite you right now um, to look at that with me. If you have your Bible, if you have your phone, if you have the nifty little uh, Galatians booklet that we have, that's pretty cool too. Go to Galatians 4. We're just going to start in verse 1, and we're really only going to hang out in Galatians 4. So I'd encourage you. I think it's so powerful when the church opens the word together. Uh, And in verse 1, Paul starts with this, this analogy, this example. I'm going to read it to you. It says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, maybe your version says, um, if an heir is underage, it's the same idea. Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. So Paul does a story, this little example of a kid who who his father has an inheritance for him, but he's too young. He has to wait to get the inheritance until this time that has been set, until adulthood. And so at that time, he, he, Paul says he's not really much different than a slave in a household. Like one day he's going to have the wealth and the power and the freedom, but until that time he's going to live in the house He's going to do chores and he has to answer, it says, to guardians. That word guardian is, is translated to a pedagogue. If you don't know what a pedagogue is, it's, it's like the behavior police for, for young boys. And middle school and high school parents in the room, wouldn't that be awesome if you could have a behavior police for your high school, middle school boy? I mean, this person would literally, this, this is not a joke, would follow them to school, make sure they went to school, make sure that on their way home from school that they get sidetracked on some adventure. They'd be like, hey, don't, don't go talk to those girls. Don't go drink that wine. Don't go attend that party. Like you need to go home and do your homework and make sure they're doing their homework. They weren't like tutoring them. They're just make sure like, do your homework, do your homework. And it's, wouldn't that be amazing, all right? And Paul says, this, this is kind of what it's like. And in fact, he goes as far to say in verse three, That's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were like slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And if you're a circler, if you're a highlighter, if you're an underliner, now is the time. Those last few words there, the basic spiritual principles of this world. If we're asking the question of what is the gospel bigger and bolder and better than, in the context of what Paul is writing about, it is that. It is better than the basic spiritual principles of this world. What are those? It's a Greek phrase that means um, it, it would be translated to stoicheia of the cosmos. And so over here you have this phrase stoicheia. And what it means is the elementary or basic knowledge or principles of, of something. Um, if you did research into this topic, you would see this phrase pop up a bunch, ABCs. It is the ABCs of some topic. And so a great example of this would be the actual ABCs. Me and my friends for a long time, we watched, this is not a joke, we watched the National Script Spelling Bee like it was the, the college basketball final. Like we would like cheer and we would like go, like we would get food. Like it was an event that we RSVP'd to. Like we're gonna watch the National Script Spelling Bee. It was amazing. And we would see these kids spell these words that I, like were amazing. Like this, like iridocyclysis, if you've heard of that word before. Or like this one, you ready for this one? Hippopotamonstrosis equipedaliophobia, right? Which means ironically the fear of long words, which just feels <laughs> cruel by psychologists. That just feels like unfair. But those same letters that you use to spell those words, you use to spell dog, like D-O-G. You know that you have certain rules that apply to the ABCs that when you put them together, it makes the words sound certain ways. And whether it be dog or hippopotamonstrosis equipedaliophobia, that's right, you, you, you spell it the same, you don't spell it the same way, but you, you use the same letters to come up with those, those 
words. That's, that's the idea of, of stoicheia. It's the basic elemental principles of something. But then it has this other phrase at the end of the cosmos, which cosmos means world. But this specifically, Paul is using a little literary device to throw it back all the way to Galatians 1.4. And he says this phrase of this present evil age. And when he's saying that present evil age, that's the, that's the word cosmos. And so it's the ABCs, the basic elementary principles of the present evil age. And if you really start to look at the language, it's, it's that, but then it's those things, that are, those things that are driving and directing our lives. It is what we are conforming our lives to in society. Um, for the Galatians, this could have meant a couple different things. I'm going to give you an example. Um, some of them would have heard this and they would have thought it was a reference to the celestial bodies or to astrology. They would, have, they would have seen the, the moon and the sun and the stars and they would have conformed their lives to that. They would have looked at the stars and seen what the stars said to them and that, that's what they would have worshipped and that's how they would have walked and that's how they would have done with their life. It's the celestial bodies. Um, some people thought it was the actual elements of the world. Earth, wind, fire, boogie wonderland. You still with me? <laughs> Water, those elements of the world. And, and, and if you had fire, you had to worship it. You had to be attuned to it because it was powerful. It was big. And so that's, that's what these basic principles was to them. Some people thought it was fate. Some people thought it was karma. It was the universe. And it just, the universe was going to do what it's going to do. And you can try to put good energy into it, but you're not really sure what you're going to get back because fate is in control. Aristotle himself wrote a list of 20 stoicheia that govern the earth in his mind. And he had them in these sets. And an example of these, some of them were lightness and darkness. Some were good and evil. Some were straight and crooked. Some were odd and even. And these are the things that he thought um, were, were governing the universe. And, and Paul says, he doesn't say like, just be aware of these things and watch out for them. It'll be okay. He has some pretty intense language here. He says, these basic principles of the world these ABCs of the present evil age that are making up how we live, that are driving and directing our lives, they are here to enslave. They are not just here to, to hurt. They're here to enslave. Look at verse four, chapter three. And that's the way it was with us. You already heard this before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Want to hear something crazy? He is referencing in that scripture the law of Torah. He is, he is saying th this law that was given, if, if, now that we have Jesus, if you go back to that, th that is not the way to do it. You're becoming a slave to the law because we have Jesus. And then he goes even further and he says, even if it's not the law for you, there's other basic spiritual principles. Look at verse four, eight through nine. It says, Gentiles, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? He says, you have Jesus. Like, remember, guys, remember Galatians, we, we have Jesus. We talked about this. We love Jesus. We were all in this together. And for some reason, you want to go back to the, to the law for some reason, you want to go back and worship the, the moon and the stars when you get to worship the one who made them. For some reason, you want to worship fate when really what you get to do is, is have trust in God who is at every place and at every time. Why would you want to do that? And here's why. Because if we're not careful, these basic spiritual principles are here to enslave us. 
And this is where it's really important for us as a church to pause and to not walk out of here and just be like, those Galatians messed up. Like they were worshiping the band that wrote September. Like they had like a lot of issues going on in their lives. Like, my goodness gracious. No, no. We have to remember the word is, is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It is useful for teaching or rebuking, correcting and training and righteousness. We have to ask what Paul would, would say to us today. And it led me to start thinking about what, what are our current stoicheia of the cosmos in modern culture? What are our basic spiritual, almost unwritten rules of society that it seems like people drive their lives to look like, they are conforming their lives to, it feels like people are, are becoming slaves to. I think just a few that came to mind as I was talking to people and thinking, uh, the first one is acceptance. Just this pressure to, to think, to act, to speak, to look, just to, to be a certain way so that you can, you can feel accepted. That's is what we're going after. It's what we're driving our lives. And really, you just, you just want to be enough, right? You want people to accept you as you are. You want to be enough, but you just don't think you are enough. Like you want to be enough as, as an employee. You want to be enough at your job. But it feels like every time you try, you try, you try, you're not getting back the reward that you feel like you should. You're, you just don't feel like enough. You want to be enough as a boss, but it feels like your employees, they're not with you. They're not for you. It feels like they're actually against you and you just feel like you're not enough. You want to be enough as a, as a dad or a mom. And you're just trying to be accepted by your kids, which you know sounds crazy, but you want that. You want them to, your kids to accept you. You want to be enough as a son or a daughter. And you just want your parents to look at you and say that they are proud of you. And you just want to be enough, enough. You want to be wealthy enough, good enough, smart enough, awesome enough, whatever it is. And it's exhausting. Do you ever feel like a slave to being enough, like a slave to acceptance? I was thinking about this week specifically on Valentine's Day. Um, Valentine's Day, me and my wife normally don't celebrate, but this year I took her to the most romantic place on earth, Drake's, and then night of worship, uh, <laughs> dinner and a show, if you will. And it just hit me. Um, man, Valentine's Day is all so much about like couples and love and all this stuff. I just thought about all my single friends. And I thought about all the single people who are in here today and who've been here this weekend. And I just thought to myself, man, sometimes culture tells single people so much, you're not enough because you're not with someone. And, and you, you wanna be with someone or maybe you don't wanna be with someone and yet you want people just to know that you're enough by yourself and you don't want that. Or maybe you, you do wanna be with someone and you feel like something's wrong with you because you're not with someone and you just don't feel accepted. And this week specifically, it harder the normal, it's exhausting. Do you ever feel like a slave to acceptance? Maybe for you, that's not it. You're like, no, I feel accepted, I'm good. But maybe you, you feel like a slave to control. This pressure to, to make sure things are together, to make sure you have it all together, to make sure at least you had the perception that you have it all together. That on the outside, it looks like you have it all together. And so instead of letting go of things in life, you grab, you're trying to hold on to things. You're like, if I can just plan this, if I can make sure this happens, if I can see what this happens and just my family, my future, my friends, my money, I'm just gonna make sure I have control and I'm good to go. And, and the more that you try, the more you realize you can't do it. And instead of having that security and that confidence you were hoping for, it just come back as anxiety and worry. Can I be honest? Ever since I had my daughter, this is the one that struggles, I struggle with the most. 
All I want is just to be her to be safe and okay, and I can't always control that, and it drives me crazy. Do you ever feel like a slave to control? Another one in this culture maybe you've seen or maybe you struggle with being a slave to is happiness. In our culture, it feels like happiness can be king. And I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want, because if it makes me happy, then that's, that's the goal, right? Like I'm going, to, I'm going to go and be happy and I'm going to go. It doesn't matter what the social or the spiritual or the ethical ramifications are. If, if it makes me happy, I'm going to do it. And I'm going, to, I'm going to try something or I'm going to buy something. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to buy something else. I'm going to buy the newer version. Or I'm going to drink something. I'm going to take something. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to look at something. I'm going to feel something. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to live whatever my truth is and do it because if it makes me happy, that's what matters. And the scary thing is that when you do those things and they don't make you happy, you ever feel like a slave to happiness? Sometimes the area I see this the most affected, um, because I work in youth ministry, it's not with the students, it's the parents. And parents say, well, I just want my kid to be happy. I just want them to have want what they want, but there's so much more than that. The last one I could think of, and there's, this is not an exhaustive list, there are so many stoicheia of the cosmos, basic principles of this world. The last one for our culture specifically is just the idea of being right. And that you, you have to be right. And not only do you need to be right, you need to tell everyone else why you, they are wrong. And you need to crush them on the way. And if you don't agree with me, let me prove you wrong really quickly. <laughs> Get on Facebook this afternoon and find any post that says these two names, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> it's funny, but start reading the comments and just see how people, it's, it is just crazy to me, how people just devolve from being civil to all of a sudden it's like this attack on character and attack on intelligence and attack on, attack on their, like, their, their soul because of how they view this situation. It gets more serious as you look at different posts. Go look at any post that says Joe Biden or Donald Trump and you'll see how we have just gone from, from trying to be unified to trying to be right. Go look at any post about Israel and Palestine. You could keep going with all these different things. And we just say, it's not that I just disagree with you. You, you are a fool for thinking that way. And I'm gonna take you down and I'm gonna hurt you. And I can't even love you anymore because of the way that you're thinking. And here's where this gets really scary. And if you're a Christian in this room, you're in with me. If, you, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you get to take a break for just a few seconds. When this ekes into our, our, our spiritual life and the idea of being right, trumps our idea of, of being love. It's scary. Jesus did not come in the name of being right. He came in the name of being love. And if we forget that, all of a sudden we make ourselves sounding correct, be more important than someone else following Jesus. And that's scary. And you know why all these are scary, and maybe I said one and it hits you at home. Maybe you got a little up in arms about it because you're like, you're wrong about that. I'm gonna prove you wrong about that. It's because these are the, the basic principles of this age. And that it's not that they just exist, they are trying to enslave us. They are trying to take us captive. And Paul says, you cannot live like that anymore. It cannot be that way anymore. In fact, he says, why are you doing this? Why are you listening to those? Because there is something out there that is bigger. 
Don't you know there's something out there that is bolder? Don't you know there's something out there that is better? And it is the gospel. Galatians 4, the gospel, according to Galatians 4, it says this, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Do you remember Galatians 4, 1 and 2? It talks about how before the right time, we were like slaves. This is the right time, y'all. When Jesus came and died on the cross, that was the right time. That now we don't have to listen to the basic spiritual principles anymore. It says God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. He doesn't just do the work of changing our legal status. He doesn't just say, all right, you were a slave and now I'm gonna free you and now just go do what you wanna do. He says, no, no, you, you were a slave and I've taken you not just in, in a legal sense, but in a familial sense, you are adopted into the family of God. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. And if you're a circler, an underliner, a highlighter, verse seven, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. See, the gospel is bigger and it's better and it's bolder because it doesn't just change us from, from, from slave to free. It's because it gives us a whole new identity as a son and a daughter of God. We were once slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. We are now children. And because we are children, we are heirs and it changes the way we get to live where there was a rule to live for acceptance. You're not enough, do more. There is now freedom to live from acceptance because you're in the family. You've already been accepted. You're already in, you're not a slave anymore, but you're in the family. So you get to live from acceptance. You get to live as a free member of the family and you can be you because you've been accepted. Where there was a rule for control, you get to live with, with, with the trust in the God who created all things and in him all things are held together. Where there was a rule to find happiness, we get to live with the joy that comes from the spirit that lives within us that cannot be taken away by external circumstances. Where there was this rule to be right, where we had to prove other people wrong, we have been made righteous. And now our job is just to be his and to be loved to other people. And I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like a bigger, and a bolder and a better way to live. And it is not my doing, it's not your doing, it's the gospel. And here's the beautiful thing. The gospel is bigger and bolder and better because of what it's compared to. And nothing can compare to it. Nothing can compare to it. 15 years ago, freshman year, Jacob is in that small group, questioning if he really thought, man, is Jesus really bigger? Is the gospel really bolder? Is it really better to live according to him? Can I tell you what I know now? I believe that Jesus, I believe that the gospel is bigger than any storm that you could ever go through. That the gospel Jesus is bigger than any problem you could ever face that the gospel of Jesus, Jesus following him is bigger than any 
pain you can feel. It's bigger than any worry that you could have. Jesus is bigger than any sin that you feel like you cannot escape. Jesus is bigger than any fear that has a hold on you. He is bigger than any burden that is absolutely crushing you as you try to carry it. He is bigger than any image that you want to maintain. He is bigger than any grief that you are experiencing. He is bolder and how he chooses to love anyone regardless of who they are and how he chooses to give grace to anyone regardless of what they have done and how he gives hope to those who are hopeless. He is bolder and how he stepped down from heaven to earth to save us. He is bolder and how he chose to die for people who did not even love him yet at just the right time, how he chose to not stay dead, but he came out of the grave and he defeated death and he defeated sin. I believe that Jesus is better than any job or role that you could want. He is better than any relationship that you could enter. He is better than any amount of money that you could grab. He is better than any victory you could win. He's better than any perception that you could give off, any sensation you can feel, any high you could get, any drink you can taste, any food you can eat. He is better. You know why? Because the gospel is bigger and bolder and better and nothing can compare to it. Gosh, I hope you're clapping, not because you feel like you have to, because you agree. And that's the reality of your life, that you're not just agreeing because it feels like you had to, but you know that it's true. And if you don't know that's true, we would love to talk to you about that because the gospel is bigger, bolder, and better because nothing can compare to it. Um, I hate when, when preachers tell me what to do but not how to do it. And so let me give you just a, a few steps really quick. If, if you wanna figure out how to do this well, I'll, I'll make this quick for you. Um, the first thing we need to do is we just need to identify if we are living according to any of the stoicheia of the cosmos. If we, are, if we are living according to a basic spiritual principle of this world, it's not the gospel. Easy way to do that this week is just pause. Ask God this question. Reveal in me what I'm following that isn't you. Ask that question of yourself. Reveal in me what I'm following that isn't you. And then once, if you have an answer, maybe you already know. Maybe you're, it's very obvious to you. Once you have an answer, I want you to do something. I want you to write it out on a piece of paper or at least maybe in your phone or the notes app. And underneath of it, get super specific. Don't be like me as a freshman and, and start to give church answers. I'm gonna ask you to do the deep work and start to list out how Jesus is better and bigger and bolder than that. Maybe for you, it's acceptance. You feel like a slave to acceptance. Start to write out, Jesus is better because he already accepted me. I don't have to work to be accepted by Jesus. He already accepted me. I get to live from acceptance. He's, he's bolder because he took me not just into a right standing, but into his family. You can do that work yourself. And then at the end, I would just spend some time worshiping. I'm not asking you to get the guitar out and light a fire and dance around it. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But I am asking you just to spend some time worshiping. It could be with your thoughts. It could be by singing. It could be by praying. It could be by taking a walk and just looking at creation and being like, man, you did this? This is great. And worship though, because you know what is worth worshiping. This gospel that is bigger and bolder and better and that nothing compares to. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. God, I pray today that we, oh man, well, we believe that. Lord, I pray that we never graduate from the gospel. We are students of the gospel always. That it is always teaching us and it is always shaping us and it is always driving us, Lord. 
that we live from acceptance and we live with trust. And God, we, we live as righteous because you have called us those things. You've already accepted us. God, we are part of the family. Lord, as simple as the gospel is, it is still a mystery. And let us hold both of those things in our hands. Lord, reveal in us what we are following that is not you. So we can tell it exactly who is bigger and bolder and better than it. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need prayer um, this, this, this morning, just feel free to stay where you're sitting. Someone will pray with you. If not, we love you. Grace and peace, Northside.